Awesome. I have author, speaker, but more importantly, businessman, Joe Sweeney on the line today. You are not going to want to miss this session. This is the Franchise Pitfalls and Profit Show. Each week, we bring you the challenges and triumphs of being in the franchise development and consulting business. The things you need to make money faster. And now your host, one of the most successful franchise developers in North America, Don Shin. Hey, awesome, Joe. Welcome. I am just like crazy excited to have you on the call here. An awesome businessman. Uh, I read your books uh, 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 all the time. People can see all the, the highlights and the underlines and stuff. Uh, networking as a contact sport made a huge difference on me and my business. So I am just off the charts thrilled to have you here on my podcast. Thanks, Joe, for being with us. Thanks for having me, Don. It's a pleasure. Hey, I'd like to get, uh, I'm going to dive right in because because uh, I, I don't want to waste a minute of uh, getting you access to, to my folks or vice versa, I guess I should say. So what I wanted to start it on a little bit about is that you're you're not the, uh, you know, and I got, oh, I got all the books back here, but you're not the, the classic author speaker guy. You're one of the few that ha is not making all his money on the book stuff. Uh, you've been a businessman, you've been successful, you've had the failures. So I wanted to get started by just asking you to share a little bit about your story. You know, how did you first get into business and, and then uh, we'll build on it from there. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I usually, when someone asks me about that, I say, Don, do you have seven hours and seven beers? Because it'll take, take that long. No, but I, I'm uh, just a kind of a quick background on me. I was the uh, number nine son in our in a family of uh, nine boys, the tenth was a girl, and my parents quit. Um, but um, most of my brothers and my fathers were entrepreneurs. My dad owned a small business, and I always wanted to own and operate my own uh, manufacturing firm. Don, for some reason, I loved building things, and this goes back to the '80s. So when I went to uh, graduate school at Notre Dame for two years, I spent two years in the library researching every small privately held company I could find between Chicago and Minneapolis, because our family was from Wisconsin. Today, you could do this in 20 minutes in a Google search. It yeah. took me two years and I developed a database of 1,350 small businesses. And I, my database was on a, a three by five card. And Don, I wrote every one of those businesses and I said, I'm a young, ambitious guy. I'd like to find a mentor, successor, or, and I'd like to be their his successor. And long story short, I find a guy in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that had a steel company. I went to work for him, had a chance to buy in, um, bought him out, and subsequently owned uh, numerous manufacturing companies that I bought, ran, and sold. And since I sold them, I still stay in business, but I've done a lot of different things. I started a sports management company. <clears throat> I bought a share of an investment banking firm, and I help people buy and sell companies. And in the last 10 years, I've written uh, and published four different books. And now I spend a lot of that time using what I call crystallized intelligence, which is really experience to help coach and mentor people um, on their journey. And my main thing is to help people avoid all the mistakes I made. <laughs> I could write yeah. seven books done on all the mistakes I made, but it would be like uh, Shakespearean tragedy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 
Well, so interesting. that's why it's an honor to be here to talk to your 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 listeners. Yeah, awesome. And I and I think it's important that um, that folks fail. You know, I I remember when I was in my corporate days and we had worked with some consulting people and they did an analysis on us and we were we were larger than our next fifty competitors. And this guy actually told us we were playing to not fail rather than playing to succeed. And so um, I know you've shared uh, off camera, so to speak, with me a couple of times about about some of the successes and some of the failures that you had. But I'm just I'm just curious, building on all of that research and things that you did. What do you think? You know, a lot of my audience is either people looking to buy a business or people helping people find a business. So what what do you think was your was the differentiator for you? What what made you successful in in your first ventures and and then the flip side of that is what what maybe did you miss in some cases that led to maybe some of your le- lesser success? Yeah, let me let me first of all uh, comment on what you said about failures and all that and fear of failure. And quite honestly, I've reframed what the word success means. Because, Don, I don't know what that means. What success for me and success for you might mean two different things. So I don't like using the word. The other thing, a failure, I don't believe we fail in anything. I think we simply try things and we create results. And only when we sit there and say, oh, Don, that was a dumb move. You're a failure. That's not true. When you make a mistake, you know, I love if you were a movie producer, what would you do? You, It's a mistake. You got to take it over. Now, unfortunately, in business, a lot of times you've got to risk a lot. Yeah. Um, and so you got to get comfortable with risk. But um, and, and just one more thing about that failure. I hear all the millennials today say, oh, yeah, if you, you got to fail fast. Mm-hmm. And the problem I have with that, and it gets into one of the pluses that I have um, for being somewhat successful, is when you say fail fast, what about the idea of persistence? Yep. And and what happens is if something doesn't go right, people say, oh, I don't like it. Just look at sports and colleges today with all the transfers. Oh, I don't like you, Don, as a coach. So I'm going to go down the block instead yep. of really grinding things out. And so you say, what was the big trade I had? I always joke saying I'm not that smart, but I'm really persistent and I really follow up. <laughs> Just the fact, I, and I said it earlier, that I spent two years in the library looking for what I would say is a mentor in writing 1300 plus letters. I mean, I wrote the, I mean, this was 40 years. Yeah. Ago. yeah there was no email, right? <laughs> no. And so I was looking for a needle in the haystack and I found one and I found a 65 year old guy that wanted to retire and hire his successor and through sweat equity and conventional financing, I could buy him out. Those people didn't come to Notre Dame and look for MBAs. So I had to be persistent and go try to find them. Yeah. And, but I think when you say, where did I fail? What I tell everybody, and I do a whole talk on this. I have a chapter in two of my books on creating wingmen and wingwomen. And yeah. the reason that's so important, if you study business, which I have, I've lived it, I've studied it. I've tried to role model after the most successful people and companies. Every big company in America has something called a board of directors. And what's the purpose of a board of director? It's to help the CEO when they get stuck, either on a sales issue or regulatory issue. And so the question I'd ask all your listeners, where do you go when you get stuck? 
because I can argue that I think your listeners, the small entrepreneurs, have as many challenges as the CEO of a big corporation, but they don't have a board of directors. So I have I, what, I, what I do and what I've done is I've created my board of wingmen only because I failed on a few ventures. And I'm thinking, why didn't I get better advice? Why didn't I get some sage advice? Right. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> because of that, um, my wingmen, they've saved me <clears throat> from several um, missteps. But I think the difference between a good uh, startup or good acquisition and a bad one is you, you study all your people. The people that have succeeded have had either good mentors, their own board of directors. <clears throat> and here's the challenge that your listeners have. Well, Joe, the head of Northwestern Mutual, they need a board of directors. I'm just a little independent businessman. Yeah. I would argue you need them as much as a leader of a big company. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not to get not to get too off track, but just just curious if you had some thoughts on uh that small business owner. How do they how do they select some people to put around them? <clears throat> Great. So let, I'll I'll start with three questions to all your listeners. Do you have a board of directors or a, a wingman or wingwomen? That's number one. Number two, who could you ask to be on your team? And obviously find people you know, like, and trust, and they know and like and trust you. But the third and the most important, people ask me this all the time, and you kind of asked it too, Don. What traits am I looking for in a wingman or wingwoman or a board of directors? And my number one rule of thought is this. Find people who play in areas that you find work. Find people who play in areas that you find work. So let's say, Don, that um, you're really good at the technical side of helping people open up franchises, but you don't know anybody. I would recruit a wingman or wingwoman that's a great networker mm -hmm. that could connect your skills to the marketplace. Or if I was a great networker, but I was awful technically in whatever I field I was in, I'd bring some wingmen or wingwomen that were really good technically. So find people who play in areas that you find work. Awesome, awesome. Now we 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 you you hit on something that I that I wanted to build on. And again, you and I have talked a little bit about this, and that is that um, it 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 takes uh, risk uh, in, in order to step out away from the paycheck, away <laughs> from the benefits, and that kind of stuff. And and go out on your own, or or to do what you did to to get into a company and become the successor, buy that person out. And you and I were talking about that that um, the nature and the comfort level that people have with with risk taking, uh, and maybe there's uh, a lack of risk taking in in you know in today's pool of of uh, potential entrepreneurs. So I wanted to give you some some chance to to build on that a bit. Well, I think when you take um, a look at risks, I think a lot of it, you've got to do an internal deep dive. And before I got in, into buying companies, I spent one year working for a Fortune 500 company in an executive management training program. And I thought for me, that was a huge risk because if I stayed in corporate America, given my personality, I would have died young or been in jail or been fired. <laughs> But for me to stay in a large environment was a risk for me and my personality. I can remember when I was starting to buy companies, people were saying, God, isn't that risky? I get a paycheck every two weeks. You don't, Sweeney. 
And so you've got to understand, number one, your risk tolerance. And two, if you're going to go into something, I think this is really critical, Don. You've got to create a big enough why. Why do you want to do this? And I do a whole talk on that. And I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole on establishing a big enough why. But once you establish that why of why you want to do this, the how becomes easy. Hmm. And I've got a thousand examples of how that happens. But I think today, and Don, I do a lot of private equity investments, and a lot of people will come to me today and say, you know, I want to raise 500000 for my startup. I say, well, what's your startup? And what, when I dig deep into it, what they really say is, I don't want to take a risk. Part of, I say, where's your uses and funds go? They say, well, I'm going to still take $125,000 a year in salary, and then I'm going to get a car. I'm going to... So I said, wait, 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 wait. You want me to fund your business so you can guarantee a, a salary? When I started, shit, there were times I, I had to sleep in my car. You know, uh, you know, I was eating ramen noodles, and you know, I did. And I, you know, you, you listen to the great entrepreneurs. They start in their basement. They work for nothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I think um, risk has really changed in our society today. And I, again, I don't think you can have any talk about risk, business. No speaker can go out there without having a recognition of what's gone on the last two and a half and three years in our yep. country. Yep. And this is not a political statement, Don, but if you understand and really understand the COVID thing, and I know I'm not a doctor, but I've studied this ad nauseum. And if you if you study what went on in COVID and what did we learn from it, I have two big takeaways. Number one is that we do as a society a, a horrific job of managing risk. Because if you understand the real numbers of COVID, there was no reason, absolutely zero, for sh completely shutting down the country. Mm -hmm. And yeah. and the other thing, it it squeezed us as a society. And when you squeeze anything like an orange, you know what comes out? Orange juice, because that's what's inside. When you squeeze our society, what I found two things. We were um, uh, risk averse. <gasps> we can't go outside. We might get the COVID. Now, COVID impacted a lot of people, but for people 65 and under, it really didn't. And the other thing it taught me is um, we are afraid of risk. And people say, what do you mean? What do you mean? Think about it. Um, we, we averted risk at all costs. We shut down the country. And I think this is so sad, Don, because what built America was great risk taking. Yep. And people say, ah, oh, people still want to take risks today. And I said, let me push back. This is my opinion. It's not fact driven. It's my opinion. But if you understand the two biggest risks human beings can take today, you know what they are, Don? Getting married and having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so think of people say getting married isn't um, a risk. I say, hey, talk to people who after 10, year, 10 years realized their partner's a whack job that they didn't know it. <laughs> or when you have kids, yeah. you know, if, if you have a troubled kid, you're locked in for the next 50 or 60 years of your life if they've got a disability. So if you study society today, people are either not getting married or getting married later. Yep. or they're not having children or waiting to have children. Yeah. And yeah. and again, I go back, I don't think people are as comfortable as risk today as they were 30, 40, 100 years ago. Yep. Yeah. And, and you're 
interesting in your perspective on on how much risk you know i i uh when i counsel people on what business to buy and and you know they have their shorts in a all in a bunch um what you said is exactly right there's other things in their life that they do very naturally that are much higher risk than buying it than buying or starting a business yeah right. I, I, absolutely right and you and i want to tell the audience you you hit on something else joe which is um the the risk of staying employed uh, uh that can as you for you that was of greater that was a higher risk for you than starting your first business or buying into your first business uh, right. i i used to say you know do you want one customer or do you want multiple customers and people would look at me like i was you know i had five heads and i'd go yeah. well if you own your own business you've got multiple customers you know that are paying you money uh whereas if you're employed you got one person paying you money yeah. and if that goes yeah. away you're you're, you're kind of screwed yeah, but, but you know what, when you really sit there and you think about safety and security, and I work for a big company, people say, I've got safety and security, that's complete BS. The only safety and security you can have as an individual is in yourself. Absolutely. Because people say, oh, I work for this big company, I've been here, guess what? They just were sold and you're out of a job. So um, what, what I really wanna focus on with your entrepreneurs, Don, that I think would really help them Sure. is, you know, there's risk, there's starting things. And um, I'll share something personally, because a lot of times people are trying to figure out, sweetie, what do you really do? I see you all over the place. Um, 27 years ago, I read something from Warren Buffett that said, if you have only one source of income, you're only one paycheck away from poverty. And Don, for some reason, that was like nails on a chalkboard or better yet, it was like Velcro. It stuck to me. I went, whoa, yeah. he is so right. And at the yeah. time I had one company, uh, one source of income. And so for the last 25 years, and here, I'll even show it because this is how I work done. Um, and I hope we, our, your people can see this. But what I do, Don, I don't know, this is my life. I work out of nine silos. You know, yep. I, I do a lot of executive coaching I, on a lot of boards. I do a lot of public speaking. I'm involved in private equity. Uh, my wife runs a school here in Southwest Florida. She's the assistant head of school of an independent school. I help her. Um, I still help people on mergers and acquisitions. Um, so, you know, I've got four books that I, I do podcasts and talks on. That's awesome. So, so I have nine sources of income and, uh, and people thought I was crazy. And I said, listen, if I if I had one source of income as a speaker, try making a living during COVID running around the country telling people networking is a contact sport. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> and I have a chapter in here, Don, that says touch Trump's technology every time. Try selling that in the middle of COVID. But because I had all these different funnels, what happened? My coaching business quadrupled during COVID. The speaking yeah. went to zero. Yeah. Um, some investments did great, other investments didn't. So I work within those nine silos and my wife and I every Sunday night sit down and say, okay, what do we have to do to move the needle in each of these? Boy, what a great name for a book, isn't that? Moving the that needle. That is brilliant, that is brilliant. <laughs> That's awesome. That that is. I mean, that is absolutely spot on. That is spot on. Hey, I wanted to be sure we get into because you said you're doing you, you're doing private equity and you're investing in things. So I, um, you know, and we're 
I mean, depending on which date, I heard May 11th, I think it is, that the pandemic is going to be over May 11th is what I just heard. Um, May 10th, it's not. I mean, it was, we'll still be in the pandemic, but May 11th, it's over. So anyway, but not to get political. But um, but um, what, what do you see that's going on now in the business space? Um, are there things people should be looking at? Um, you know, maybe, you know, if, if it's something you can can share about the private equity stuff you might be looking at anything going on in business that would be you know in today's market now as as the last two or three years kind of wrap up what uh anything that you're seeing that would be of value to, to yeah I, again this is kind of a seven hour and seven beer story but um <laughs> what i think is really changed and transformed america in the last two and a half three years is this whole culture thing I mean, one of the boards I'm on, we have 5,800 employees and we have 600 job openings. Yeah. And, yeah. and um, the whole culture of American and worldwide business has changed from this, you got to show up every day to working at home to a hybrid and all of that. And so the biggest challenge today is um, how do you create a culture for this high, new hybrid world? You talk to any large company, I don't care if it's Google, Facebook, Northwestern Mutual, or a local bank, they all have the same issues. Um, are we a hybrid company? Do we have to come in all the time? And I have some really strong thoughts about people working at home. My basic thought is for most people, um, they want to work part-time and be paid full-time. Full-time, yeah. 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 And so... And now people, we interview people for a lot of the companies I'm involved in, and they say, tell me about your um, virtual, your hybrid strategy. Um, and so I think what happens with a lot of companies is people don't want to come in. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I know you do a lot of franchise work and in the franchise business, you hire employees for minimum wages, you know, 12, 14, $16 an hour. And the challenge that, that your franchise people have, I believe, and again, it's an opinion, but it's based on facts, I think, mm -hmm. is if if the minimum wage goes to 16 or $18 an hour, okay, and you work 2,000 hours a year at $16 an hour, that's $32,000. Yep. If you study this, and I'm not promoting this, and Don, I apologize for saying this, but if you really study our government system, you can make $44,000 staying at home. Yeah. That's the yeah. challenge. Yep. So yep. It, and the other problem with that, Don, is 50 years ago, if you were living off the government, it was an embarrassment. Today, yeah. I talk to people and they're bragging to me how they're scamming the system. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, I get this relief. I, I don't have to pay for health care. And so, and again, this is the challenge for your franchisees. If you're looking at a market where someone can make $44,000 <clears> for doing nothing at home, and free healthcare. I mean, it's not as for top class, but you still can get healthcare. Yeah. yeah. Why would I wake up and work 2000 hours to make less money? I'm just going to hang out at home. Yep. And, and yep. I hope that trend changes in America, but COVID has kind of um, um, given people um, a little bit of swagger to stay at home yeah. and kind of like the benefits and making that transition. So going to be a big part of my next book, which I'm uh, just starting now. I'm going to talk about this a lot. It's a culture thing. And how do you build a new culture in this new world? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, that's, that is really, really important. You're, you are spot on 
Um, I, I remember uh, I was under contract and I was a CEO for a, a large franchise company for a few years recently. And um, very, you know, it was very hard uh, to, to do some of the things we needed to do, uh, having everybody virtual and, and the culture was difficult to, to, to pull together. So yeah, that, that, that's really awesome. And I, and I love, you know, and I think franchises are doing it. I'll, I'll give a local business example, but, but um, we go, we have a fa a very favorite uh, Japanese noodle place uh, close by us. And uh, we were just there the other day and they changed up their system. So now you seat yourself and then come up to the register to order. Whereas before they would seat you and then, you know, they would have table uh, service, but they no longer have table service for the, the ordering process. And that's been their way to adjust for not having enough people. Uh, right. If you go into a McDonald's, um, you now have three or four ordering kind of kiosks uh, that are, you know, even for an old guy like me or like us, um, it's easy to order. And there's only one person at a register at the counter anymore. And you used to go into McDonald's and you'd have three people standing there waiting to wait on you. So the ingenu ingenuity, ingenuity, ingenuity of, um, of the small business people, the franchise companies has been, has been addressing, I think the shortage. Right. And I think, you know, people, it's gonna catch up with you if you keep staying at home. Um, uh, it, the jobs are just going to go away. And, and then when people want to go back to work, they're not going to be able to. Right. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, Joe, uh, we're, we're wrapping up a little bit here. And again, uh, I, I am just thrilled to, uh, to be spending time with you. I, I'm, uh, I want everybody else to be jealous that they didn't get to spend the time with you that I am. But the last thing I always ask people kind of in wrapping up, is there anything that I haven't asked you or anything we haven't discussed that you would like to be sure, you know, you left with, with, uh, with listeners or, and viewers, um, anything yep. we haven't talked about that you'd think, Hey, there's one more thing I want to be sure I say today. Well, I got about 78 things, but, um, <laughs> but I, I think Don, a good way to end this, at least from my perspective is I just want to say congratulations to people that you work with the entrepreneurs, the real risk takers, because there's two sets of, of, um, people that I respect the most. I respect a lot of people, but number one, they're the military people that are, have found a big enough why to give their life for. Yep. And the other group are the entrepreneurs, the people that are willing to take their knapsack, throw it over the wall, climb up there and do whatever it takes to make it happen. And so, you know, instead of giving some great insight, I want to really just say thank you because it's, it's, that mentality of the persons that you work with that really help build a great America. It's not the people in Washington. It's not the regulators. It's the entrepreneurs that believe in something so much yep. that they're willing to take a risk and risk everything, you know, yep. their home, their cars. Um, so my hats are off to them. And if there's anything I can ever do for your listeners, you can just go to joeswinney.com. I do a lot of things as I showed you. And if there's anything I can do to help you or your listeners, reach out. I'll, I get back to everybody. I mean, it might take some time if I'm on the road or if I'm speaking or I'm on um, board meetings, but I'll get back to your listeners. And if they have a question, want to follow up, just let us know and, and we'll, we'll answer their questions to help them go from where they are to where they want to get to. 
Joe, I, I really appreciate that. And and you're absolutely right. I think I, I am in the best profession there is. And that's impacting uh, people that want to get into business for themselves or those that, that have started a brand, have started a franchise, which is a lot of what we do, helping them grow it, helping them achieve their, their, their goals and their dreams. And so, but thanks for that offer. That, that is a real blessing and, and we do appreciate it. All right. We're a wrap. Thanks again, Joe. Thanks, Dan. Great being with you. 